0: Welcome to our CyberWise Chats, where we talk about the challenges of raising and teaching digital kids. I'm Diana Graber, author of Raising Humans in a Digital World and founder of CyberWise and CyberCivics, Join every episode with Dr. Pamela Rutledge, who's the director of the Media Psychology Research Center. Our always lively conversations tackle topics like cyberbullying, screen time, TikTok, and everything in between. We've got some great guests and promise each chat will give you the tips, tricks, and confidence you need to help kids use technology safely and wisely. Hi guys, how are you? Oh, you're muted Pam and Arius, I got- to How unfortunate, you. You are, right? I'm fine. Hello. It's December. So we're barely thinking today. Um, and I want to welcome everyone that's here and let you know something up front. We have a storm in Southern California, which is like an earth shaking right. event. We haven't seen rain for like a decade. And it's really windy, and sometimes our power goes out. So, because we don't know what to do when there's weather here. So, in case we lose you, we're sorry. So, we'll. We'll try to keep the lights on as we go through this topic today. Um, I'm Diana Graver. I'm the founder of Cyberwise and Cyber Civics, and the author of Raising Humans in a Digital World. I'm here today with Dr. Pamela Rutledge, who's the director of the Media Psychology Research Center, and Arias Collins, who's our community manager at both Cyberwise and Cyber Civics. And today we're going to talk about what's on your child's gift list. Um, and the reason we're doing this is because we get asked so much about tech gifts from computers to smartphones to Xbox, etc. And if our, the children are ready for them. So we're going to um, talk about that today. And this topic is really topical right now because after COVID, you know, parents are concerned because kids have spent so much time using technology in the last 18 months and what do they want to give them more technology and kids are using technology in really different ways than they were pre COVID. So we're going to talk about that on both ends of the spectrum. Um, And Arias, thank you, Arias, she's had a very busy week. She's been trying to keep her finger on the pulse of what kids are asking for this season. So without any further ado, uh, Arias, go right ahead. What are you hearing? Yeah, so we've been
1: hearing that cell phones are really an incredibly popular gift that are coming through. And You know, I would love to know, and a lot of the parents would love to know, what is the best way to be proactive with their digital health and their online safety if this device is being thrust into their hands this year?
0: Go first, Pam.
2: (laughs) Uh, Well, sure. I think what what Diana was saying is really important, which is that we are now in a completely different place than we were pre-COVID, which means people have been using technology in all kinds of different ways which means kids are thinking about it very differently. And, and one thing that parents need to take into account is that two years in a kid's life is a huge amount of experience that gives them some kind of context or frame of reference. So while you may be thinking about going back to the good old days of two years ago, kids now have an entirely different point of view about what their expectations and what's relevant. So before you start, deciding what's the right cell phone or if your child is mature enough for a cell phone, make sure you have a conversation. I mean, we, that's one of our go-tos anyway, make sure you talk early, talk often, but this is a really important one to sit down, talk about how it's gonna be used, why, what they want it for, and compare your risks and benefits for each one.
0: And I wanna jump on something that you said because you talk about how, you know, kids have really missed that year and a half of social interaction. And what I'm observing, because I'm teaching sixth grade this year, cyber civics to two different grades of sixth graders, is um, this is the youngest emotionally, uh, socially emotional group I've ever taught in the 12 years I've been doing this with sixth graders. And what I'm hearing from a lot of the other teachers is the same thing that we have to remember that a lot of kids have missed 18 months of face to face interaction with their peers. So you know, there's a lot of development behind in that respect, um, stuff you can't learn from a cell phone. And so what i observe when i'm doing these digital interaction scenarios we do a lot of them like pretend that this happens on your phone what do you do the thinking that's happening is at a a younger level than what i'm used to seeing with sixth graders and when that's telling me is you know in the past we used to say a kid 12 or 13 is a probably a good age to give a child their first cell phone i don't know i go back to what pam says like throw the age thing out the window and really assess where your child is developmentally. Um, At CyberWise, and I believe Arias is gonna give you the link, we have like a list of things. Ask yourself these questions first to see if your child's ready for a cell phone. Um, Do they know what to do if they're cyberbullied? Can they manage their digital reputation? Can they uh, protect their privacy? Those are really important questions to ask, and it's not just a cell phone, it's any connected device, so.
2: Yeah, and don't just ask yourself read them first, but then sit down and talk with your child about them because that's how you'll get a gauge of what they even understand. What do you mean privacy? Well, you know, well, what do you mean? I mean, that's where you really uncover the gaps in understanding that are really critical to that kind of uh, critical thinking because as Diana's pointing out, they haven't had that kind of social interaction where they've had the experience of hearing the stories that others are, are sharing along with, you know, along with what they're getting from adults and and teachers and and other people like that. So they've really been left to their own devices, no pun intended. Uh, But, you know, they've been positive because it's allowed them to stay connected. But there's there's been a cost.
0: And I just wanted to say, too, if you're at our uh, if you're here with us today. Um, we'll send you a link tomorrow to our uh, tech parent child tech agreement and it's actually um, got 10 points on it of things you can discuss with your child to find it if they're ready for a connected device so hopefully you'll find that really handy um, as they start getting these kind of gifts during the holidays.
2: Yeah, you know, let me just add one little thing when you're thinking about it is don't neglect your sort of the considerations of your family. What network are you on? What's compatible with your system? What phone do you understand? Don't give a kid a phone you don't understand. Right. You need to understand how they're interacting with it. What's the cost? Who's responsible for paying the cost? Is it durable? Kids break things. You know, kids lose things. So you have to really think about that kind of practical stuff, along with you know, do they know what to do if, you know, they're contacted by a stranger?
0: Yeah, Yeah, and that's like number one point on our tech agreement is to talk about who owns the phone and who pays for it when it gets broken. And I tell you, that's a very costly thing. I have one daughter. She managed. I don't think I ever saw her without a cracked screen ever. <laughs> you know, you broke her phone so many times and you know that's an important consideration because who pays for that? You want that child to be responsible for something that's very expensive.
1: One thing that I heard too through Bark is there's all these different types of cell phones that you can access. It's kind of like going back in time and getting those flip phones. And um I, I'm gonna pop that in the link. So if anyone wants to see that then you can have a conversation about you know Is your child ready just to text or, you know, just to take pictures? Um, And if you are handing them a full blown like iPhone or Android, can you guys tell us the risks and the rewards for having a
0: gift like that for your kids? Go back and forth on that, right, Pam?
1: Yeah, well,
2: you know, Diana, you've got a great list of, of all of the things that kids have been doing on cell phones. Cell phones, we think of them as phones. To kids, they are just a portal to the world and they don't have that, they aren't in that same box of how they think about it. So share some of those things. It's really an amazing
0: list. So I will share that in a second, but just to go back to the pre-phones, I think that's what Eric is asking, like the starter phones. Oh, right. You know, um, we're mixed on those. Um, There's some really great products out there, I will say that, that are just basically a phone that you can give a younger child where all they can do is call back and forth. And I can understand, a parent needing to do that. If they, they just want their child to have that connectivity with them. But as Pam always reminds me, like there's so many other things that kids need cell phones for. And if you give a child, what they call a baby phone, they're going to know they have a baby phone and perhaps not be that excited about it. So I really do go back and forth on, on that. Although I will say this, my 24 year old found out about that. And she, she said, God, will you get me one of those baby phones for Christmas. I would love a phone that does nothing but call.
2: So. Yeah, but, you know, to, to to your point, Diana, I have a 11 year old who spends her spare time on her phone because she has clearly better eyesight than I do making movies and she makes trailers and she puts, you know, music on them and she does all of this stuff on her phone and then shares them with friends and she screen captures out of games to create the content. So it's I mean, the, the creativity is remarkable and most of us would not assume that any anyone could see well enough on a phone to do all that stuff but but it's what they do and what you said diana your daughters prefer to do their homework on their phones yeah
0: yeah and what pam mentioned earlier you were asking me about is there was a really great research study that came out this week from common sense media about what kids you know kids and technology over covid and it's things that probably all of us know intuitively but it's nice to see the data supports that so uh, kids are using tech for connection creativity and learning which Wonderful to see that the data supports that. Um, 84% of tweens and teens reported they used entertainment media during the pandemic to boost their moods, 81% to stay connected to friends, and 91% simply to have fun. Um, What I thought was interesting here, it was really important to kids to use technology to learn how to do new things. Um, And I love reading what they were. Uh, Here are some of the things the kids mentioned. Learning how to crochet, juggle, do nail art, do needle felting, build a Lego car, build a computer, practice yoga, make origami, do BMX tricks, learn a new dance. So they're using technology to learn to do offline things, which I think is really cool.
2: Yeah, and you know, they've also, the uh, a phone allows them to connect um, when they have emotional needs. There's, you know, research has shown that kids who are in distress, depression, anxiety, have been seeking out other teens for social support, other communities for social support, especially when COVID hit their family very hard, whether they've had illness or death or financial strain. So that's really provided an important outlet for a lot of teenagers that they can't get elsewhere or that they couldn't get elsewhere.
0: Super important. All right, so I know, Arius, we had a lot of other things on the wish list besides cell phones, what else? popped up in your research. yes, yes. Um, So
1: we were also asked about gaming consoles and headsets. That one is kind of the number two that I've been hearing rumblings about. Um, and I know when I was teaching cyber civics, I had a lot of students that actually would game together. And I know that it was really play like fun and playful for them and a way for them to connect. Um, that wasn't just like sitting at a zoom. Um, and is I would love to know if there's like risks with these devices and how you can be proactive keep, to keep kids healthy and safe and having fun um, when
0: introducing this technology to your yeah. children. Yeah. Well, I can say a couple things about that then I'll go to you, Pam. But number one, uh, remember that gaming is a connected device. Kids are connecting to their friends and sometimes to strangers when they play, play those games. So consider that when you give your child a connected device, it's just like a cell phone. But number two is, in the research supports this, we've known this for a long time, girls use social media generally to connect with their friends, and for boys, generally they use games to connect with their friends. So there's the upside and downside. They're, they're doing that important connection that they missed during COVID, but the downside is sometimes there's inappropriate language or they're too young for certain things. So you've got to weigh that with your children using gaming devices like the Nintendo and you know right. Microsoft Xbox.
2: Uh, I would say that it's also important, back to the conversation thing, to talk to your kids because it's very likely that, um, especially once you get to fifth, sixth, seventh grade, that these kids' friends are also playing certain games. And so what you want to make sure that your child has enough social capital or sort of familiarity with what's going on so that they feel part of their their cultural uh, group and not isolated from that because that's actually more emotionally damaging than you know saying a bad word every now and again but i also want to point out that these multiplayer games have saved many a holiday at my house because we could have three generations playing mario kart and the kids just laugh their heads off at how badly i drive uh, and you know but it it becomes something where people can do it all together just like the old monopoly game so just because things are digital um space team is another one that we've done in family occasions where where people form little groups and you know pointed at each other and laughed and you know it's it was a very uh group oriented even with mobile phone event
0: yeah and that's a great thing to mention pam like during the holidays when you're together anyway that's a nice time to try these Things that you may not never have time to try otherwise, and have kids show you what they like about it, and you can kind of learn and be silly with them. So, I think that's important to remember.
2: All right, and now in the gaming department, we want to call out a difference between, uh, a, you know, sort of a multiplayer game when you're playing with a you know handheld remote uh, or controller, and when you're wearing a virtual reality headset.
1: Uh, the
2: There's a lot of debate about virtual reality headsets. There's a lot of research that's inconsistent. None of that research is very useful when it comes to children. Children develop completely different developmentally, and they need physical stimulus in order to have arms and legs and heads move in the right directions from each other. So it's very important to be very cautious about virtual reality in general, but You know, for children, uh, you know, that to me would be a hard no.
0: Yeah, and and I think the manufacturers and even Facebook or Meta would agree with you. In all of their data, they say that the headsets are not intended for children under 13 for all the reasons Pam just mentioned. Um, The other thing too, the big headset that we're hearing a lot about is the Oculus, because Meta, Meta bought Oculus because they're preparing for this metaverse thing that's coming. And that's a totally immersive headset um, not designed for children under 13. In addition to that, in order to have that immersive experience, you have to sign into Facebook and kids under 13 aren't supposed to have Facebook accounts. Um, and if you want to get it, get a sense of what it looks like when someone's on one of these headsets, I would direct you to a blog post that was, that's on our website. And it's got a hilarious video on there of a, a mom putting on that headset and her reaction to it. So when you watch her reaction, you can only imagine, what a younger child's reaction would be when they're still trying to get a sense of the physical world. So, so many reasons that, you know, which just brings me to the question about this metaverse and how we're all going to operate with headsets. And that's our topic for next month. So I, I won't go into that. Right. So
2: yeah, we'll we'll we'll, we'll get anxious about that next time. Um, I just wanted to point out in case in case anyone has a hesitation that. The, the, the studies that have been done show that the neurons that fire when you're in virtual reality are different than the ones that fire when you are moving around a physical space. This may not be an issue for adults. The study was done on animals, not on people, but children's brains are developing. And so the lack of firing means that there are neural pathways that are not being reinforced. So it's very important to be very very cautious about about virtual reality with kids now that being said right the a one little silver lining here is that virtual reality has in some circumstances been very helpful to manage symptomology of autism spectrum disorder and cerebral palsy so vr has been shown to improve sort of the postural control and balance and lower limb function in patients with cerebral palsy so there's potential here we shouldn't just throw out the baby with the bathwater, but we just need to proceed cautiously
0: and and we're still early on in this whole experiment very a lot and it's
2: super expensive you know
0: anyway so and that's the thing with gaming devices and headsets and all that it's expensive so there's really that consideration there's a lot of other things i think to look at so
1: So what about like some of these STEM gadgets that I've been seeing as well? Like Artie, can you guys talk a little bit about that as well?
2: Well, this is where I get to make a plug for media literacy, because if you read the list of skills that are encompassed in STEM, they sound just like the skills that you need for digital literacy, problem solving, creativity, questioning critical thinking, collaboration. Obviously you need math and science skills too, but the point is that it's a, a way of thinking. It's not just for engineers and science majors, it's a way of thinking that impacts all areas of your life. So if there's a way to sneak a little STEM into your kid's life when they think they're playing, that's a, that's a big plus.
0: Yeah, and I will say, even though I'm not, I have in the past not been a big proponent of technology for kids under 12, in this case, I wish that these things had been around when my own kids were that young and they hated math, because I think creating something and learning STEM skills at the same time is a wonderful way to introduce math skills to kids who may be adverse to learning it with a pencil and paper. And like some of these things are so cool, like the little Artie, which is a coding robot, which draws and you learn how to do code at the same time is amazing. Legos has some amazing new tech products as well. Um, we actually have a list of them. I think Arius is putting some links on there. But yeah, it's a, there are some real benefits. And especially um, if you do it together with your child, it's a nice way to introduce technology to them that has benefits and perhaps you will learn something as well.
2: Well, yeah, and, and toys like the RD and um, that, uh, that introduce coding, the RD Max, in fact, has, you can learn coding in five different languages, including Python and JavaScript. The important thing about that is that these skills are becoming increasingly essential for career opportunities. Right. Right. Mid-level skills, 80% of them now require some level of digital skills. The pay for digital skill jobs is twice what it is for non-digital skill jobs. So this isn't just indulging a child's whim. This is really setting them up for the future, if you can help them understand that technology isn't just something that you use, it's something that you can create.
0: Yeah, and it's something they're not generally not going to have time to learn in school. So this is a great time to do when they're home, after school, over the holidays. Again, do it together, learn together, and just see some of the benefits of these things. Not not In addition to the RD, I believe some of the other things we mentioned, hot bee, remote control dinosaur toys. <laughs> that sounded like fun. 4M kids' labs anti gravity magnetic levitation science kit. So that's I'm what here. I like. I want the anti
2: gravity levitation science uh, kit.
0: Yeah, I think I can use that too. That sounds like something. Yeah, my Facebook feed. <laughs> 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 um, the other thing that comes up a lot, Arius, was we haven't talked about it at all are just t- plain old tablets. I know Mm -hmm. a lot of kids um, are, I hear them talk about wanting a a tablet or a Kindle, and there were some really good options. The Kindle for kids is pretty cool because it's got parental controls built in, cheaper than buying books. Um, If you have it, download the Libby app, which I talk about all the time, which is the app from your local library, which allows you to download any book for free and just borrow it and send it back electronically. So, you know, we have to remember that kids today are reading on tablets and Kindles and all that just as much or maybe even more than physical books.
2: Yeah, and it's it's not that the one is better than the other. There's been all kinds of studies, and one will argue that there's retention better with paper, and another will say, no, no, it's in digital. So I think it, what it comes down to is the quality of the technology. A really well-designed um, ebook book uh, function is just as effective as paper. And it's even more effective if a child is taking it with them and they're reading when they wouldn't otherwise be reading, or if it's a child who doesn't have access to right. books and it provides access
0: uh, yeah. digitally. Yeah, and there's no reason why you can't read to a child from a Kindle just as you would from a paperback book. So right. the time they are changing. Um, Arias, mm-hmm. I'm going to ch- check in with you and see if there's any questions or comments that you'd like to share. It's hard for me to read that at the same time. Yeah
1: yeah we um we got one about what if your like a grandparent gets your child a cell phone or connected device like how do you navigate that situation
2: very okay carefully. well uh, very carefully exactly
0: <laughs> don't want to yeah, hurt super- grandma's feelings
2: Right, it's super tricky because it's, you know, it's about family dynamics and it's essentially challenging your control as a parent who's in charge. And most people would feel like their authority has been subverted, which it was, but so the first thing is don't get mad, right? Either it won't help and either the intention was clueless or it's going to be a payoff for somebody who's passive aggressive in general, right? So either way, the best way to play this is to address the issue calmly, acknowledge the generosity, be clear about your boundaries, but also acknowledge the purpose. It might be that the grandparent just wants more contact with the kid, or it might be that they want to be seen as nice and be liked, right? So thank you very much for this thoughtful gift we're not ready to let little Susie use a cell phone yet, but I understand that you'd like to have more contact with her. In other words, if you can counter argue the whole way, you'll get through this without hard feelings.
0: Yeah, and I I know this is gonna sound like a shameless plug, but it really isn't. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart, but when I wrote Raising Humans in a Digital World, I wrote a discussion guide to go along with it. I don't care if you buy the book, you can go to any of our websites and download the discussion guide for free. But my hope was, that communities would talk about those topics together, whether it's your family community or the community of parents that have kids the same age, so that you guys are on the same page, because that helps kids so much. If you have common agreements, common understandings, you know, that you think your kids are ready for things at the same time, then you don't run into this problem you know and it really helps our kids if you talk about this ahead of time before they're faced with the dilemma of gosh i want the phone grandma gave me but mom doesn't want me to have a phone yet so again discussion guide totally free on any of our websites it'll it'll give you those things to talk about with your family and friends
1: so one other thing um we got from one of our um the people that are here which is awesome is the gizmo watch they that's what they're using with their family um and it has gps um and they can just message so she's saying you know uh, i think their child is like 11. so they're thinking about transitioning but that was a kind of a nice hopscotch and then the one other question that we received is will giving your children this connected device like cut down in their want for face-to-face
0: connection um you know i can answer that because what i've observed with kids personally and what the research has you know, common sense research that just came out, is kids want face-to-face interaction right now. They are really craving it. So you may not even have to make that decision. You may find your kids are asking for a face-to-face connection more than anything else right now. So I think that's really important for us to keep that in mind.
2: And and if your child is very engaged socially with friends. I mean, first of all, it's perfectly normal for a kid to want to hang out with their friends. I mean, they've been hanging out with you for a year and a half, right? They're ready to see some friends. So that's perfectly normal. So it's fine to say, gee, we've got the whole family here. So between three and four, you can go connect with friends. After that, you can use your phone, but you have to engage other people. You have to try some of those games. You have to show us what TikTok video you like. You have to engage people with your device rather than making you put this shiny, new, wonderful
0: thing away. It, that, that's a really important consideration right now. So thanks for that question. Um, you know what, Arias, let's move on to some of the teens only because I'm taking a look at our time. And you know that Tuesday's my day when I go have to do uh, social interaction scenarios with my sixth graders. so They'll be ready to use these <laughs> devices we're talking about.
1: <laughs> talking about. <laughs> so with the, the teens, like what what would be great for more of the teenagers in your life, those 13 and above? Yeah, I'd love to hear about that.
0: Yeah, so what I thought was interesting when we looked at the research, um, one of the things that popped up, which I thought was so interesting was Headspace, was one of the, and that's an app that you would use on technology, but it's a meditation app, which really speaks to the fact that teens are feeling a lot of pressure and stress today. Um, it's super hot right now. And I thought that was that was a cool thing to. And again, underscores that they're using their phones for a lot of different things, sometimes even to calm themselves or to find that place that they can get away from the stress in their life. Right,
2: and I think it's it's really a positive that kids are acknowledging those kinds of things. I mean, I don't even know if 10 years ago, kids would have talked about depression and anxiety or being sensitive about that. But people should know that Headspace actually has a family plan. So you don't have to you know, go, go all Zen here. There's all kinds of really nice little scripts before bed relaxation, all kinds of things that you could even do as a family. So it's, it's, a, it's a great app and I think it's impressive that the kids are smart enough to have figured out that that's probably one of the better ones.
0: The other thing that popped up when we were looking out there was um, and I thought this was hilarious and it's a super cheap option are these light strips that you can use um, to decorate your your bedroom and the reason kids are using it is um, to create TikTok videos they want these really cool effects in the background. So I thought that was pretty funny it was like so cheap, you know they're like so cheap well yeah and
2: and you can actually program some of them to pulse with your music so that the spotify which is the other big ask right the spotify subscription for music you can link spotify and some of these digital light strips and the you know the room pulses in the beat
0: right and the thing is it's not that kids have to do this and post it to TikTok. a lot of them are just video recording themselves for fun and sharing with their friends so speaks to the fact that they're using technology for creativity and I think that's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, I I decorated my room with a lot of weird stuff when I was a teenager.
0: (laughs) I would have liked to have blinking lights that I could. I know, (laughs) right?
1: (laughs) And do you guys have any non-tech gift ideas
0: for the kids in our lives? You know, again, I think You can go back. I think we talked about this a year ago in our chat. We gave a bunch of ideas for old fashioned games and puzzles and jigsaw puzzles, anything that allows a family to connect. You know, it's what Pam taught me when back when I was in the master's program and she was one of my instructors. It's not about the tool, right? It's about what you do with it. So if it's monopoly that your family enjoys to connect, do that. If your family's a bunch of gamers and they connect doing games, do that. But it's all about ways to connect with family and friends over the holidays.
2: Yeah, and if your kid is really fond of things like Roblox or Minecraft or any of these games, do something that's sort of ancillary, right? There's how to draw Minecraft characters. There's boxes of you know pens to create art. You know, There's all kinds of ways that you can bank shot off of their um, interests and create something that becomes relevant to them.
0: You know, there's something I was gonna mention. I'm looking, I don't know if Amy, Amy Jostle's here. I hope she is. She's here, yeah. Okay. So she's, I saw this on Twitter right before I came on and she has a new book out and it's got some really cool um, cartoon drawings that kids can draw old fashioned with pens in there. And I know my daughters, they still do that. I buy them drawing books still. <laughs> Everybody loves to draw. Um, and that's a free thing that you can find online and hopefully Arius. Uh, I think I sent you the link, we can get that up there. Mm.
2: Yes, you can buy blank wooden circles to hang on your tree and let everyone color them in, or blank napkins and let everyone create a napkin. In my family, my father used to make us make up haikus, and we had to go around the table. I it was pretty I, funny.
0: I think what <laughs> we're seeing now, thank you, Pam, is that the lines are blurring, like whatever it is you enjoy or allows you to be creative. It might be aided, abetted by tech. You may not need any tech at all, but just whatever it is that your family enjoys, please do it together safely over the holidays. Do
1: you have some key takeaways? I know you're going to send us the tech agreement via email, so we'll have that in our hot little hands, but what are your key takeaways for today? Well, Pam, why don't you go? I have to,
2: I have okay, to- Well, I'll, yeah. I'll- <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll start by saying if you're going to do a cell phone, don't assume that uh, some measure of your child's maturity. Have a conversation and go through the uh, the CyberWise checklist so that you know that you and your child are sort of on the same place and you can do an, a, a real assessment or evaluation of their maturity. And remember that cell phones are maybe a phone for you, but they're not just phones for a child they do all kinds of things with them it's not just about instagram it's not going to instantly destroy their self-esteem right it's an opportunity to do an awful lot of things that being said don't miss the opportunity to help expand that horizon by introducing some of these things that actually develop their stem skills you know and that includes learning to use digital devices learning to use drawing programs learning to use all of these different things that you can create on a
0: phone yeah. And I think, you know, we've already mentioned a lot of the tech tips that I would give you, but the most important thing here is to remember the difference between a, a technology that you're learning STEM or whatever versus a technology that connects a child to the whole entire world. Those are two really different creatures. So in order to use that technology where you're connected, I think you really have to make sure that your child has the maturity and a lot of digital literacy under their belts because it is a huge responsibility. So. That is the number one thing I hope that you would take away today. And um, I feel so lucky because I right now get to go work with sixth graders and we're gonna talk about a lot of potential scenarios that could happen on these digital devices they're probably gonna get for Christmas, so I think that's really important too. Digital literacy is so important for those kids to have under their belts before they're using these very powerful devices.
2: Yeah, and before metaverse hits the streets.
0: Totally. And speaking of which, thank you, Pam. So next month, we're going to talk about the metaverse. We have not come up with our clickbait headline yet, but you'll be hearing it soon, I'm sure, if you follow us. Um, I'm pretty excited because Sean Herman of KinZoo um, is going to join us next month. I, I tracked him down because he wrote a very good article about the metaverse uh, on their blog. So um, we'll be anxious to see what he has to contribute to our conversation next month. And it is on January 11th, is that correct? God, 2022. Yeah. Tuesday. Holy January. cow. Second Tuesday of the new year, the first month of the new year at noon as always. So looking forward to talking to you both then.
2: And, and everyone, and have a happy
0: every- holiday. Have a happy, happy, holiday, happy holiday. Yes. Enjoy, Enjoy. your joy. Yes, thank-
2: have a cup of eggnog for me.
0: <laughs> or two. <tea. laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Thank you.